This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is your boy Dak from the 410 Gaming Podcast, and when I'm not doing terrible wrestling impersonations, I'm listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Oh, yeah! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 64. I'm Nick Howell. And cheering who I should boo and booing who I should cheer, <laughs> I am Sir Ian Dangerous. Welcome to the show. We have just experienced WrestleMania last weekend, and we have had the first week of WWE programming after their biggest show of the year, which means, of course, we had all kinds of debuts and returns and all kinds of nutty stuff happens on the Raw and the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Yeah, I would love to uh, just give a shout-out to the listeners real quick as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and sharing to our big WrestleMania mega recap that we put out earlier this week. Uh, that one has been going really, really well. We had some great discussions over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook, and the conversations were lively on Twitter. So if you haven't joined us, sign up at BWO Podcast. Give us a follow and come join us on Facebook. Yes, please. But right now, we've got a lot to talk about because there were some things announced this week that are going to require a considerable and comprehensive confabulation. The Superstar Shakeup is coming next it's week. It's about they, time. They have announced that everything's going to be going every which way uh there's also the greatest royal rumble which kind of came out of nowhere on us and it's been announced for april 27th happening over in in saudi arabia that went from being like something that was kind of like a blip on the radar to now it's in kayfabe and there's going to be big matches on that title it's, matches title matches are going to be on the line there we've got a lot to discuss about with that but unfortunately but with both of those we can't really get into the nitty-gritty of those until we discuss some of the things that happened this week on Raw and SmackDown, uh, plus we have to we have to go over a lot of the indie shows that happened on WrestleMania weekend that we weren't able to to fit in in our last couple of shows because there's been so much going on. So there's a lot to talk about this week. But first, let's head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. We and one of the things that stood out this weekend over WrestleMania was the crowd. The people that spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to be in attendance only to be made fun of by the commentary. <laughs> I don't even know if it's making fun of, but definitely talked down to or talked down about. You know, this it's become almost 
like a, a, a rote repetition every year on the Monday after WrestleMania, uh, the and and the Tuesday, the Raw after WrestleMania, and the and the SmackDown, you'll get this this these lines, these catchphrases that the announced team are now very kind of rote repetition, like, like saying off of a cue card almost. Yeah. Whether it's you know the line that I was joking about at the top of the show, they oh they cheer who they're supposed to boo and they boo who they're supposed to cheer. They love to use their freedom of expression it's a bizarro world crowd or whatever it is they're 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 very excited they're from they're from all over the world basically a number of ways of saying this crowd doesn't know what the hell they're doing don't listen to them we have our own agenda that we're trying to push and these guys aren't going to go along with it because they're going to cheer people like i don't know samoa joe and they're going to boo people like i don't know roman reigns they're going to boo them out of the building uh, and that's not what WWE wants to have shown on their programming. They'd rather have these American audiences that will basically kind of sit there and, and take what they're given. And, you know, you go to places like Chicago or Philadelphia and you get a taste of what these international quote unquote crowds are like that you get at, at uh, the WrestleMania weekend and the, the shows afterwards. As you said, these are people who have a lot of whom have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars getting here from Australia, England, France, all over the world, uh, Japan. And they're yeah, they're they're there to party. They're there to have fun. And frankly, they're not they're not the people who are going to just sit back and take the WWE storyline. They're probably a lot of them are either smarks or they're they're very educated about the programming or about wrestling in general. And so they're not necessarily going to go along with what the company wants to hear from a crowd. But here's the thing is, for the most part, they do. And they're also going to be excited about your product more than a lot of these people like, I don't know, in in, in San Antonio or Corpus something. Christi. Corpus Christi. Thank you. That's <laughs> the one I was thinking of where they just, oh my God, they're all on, they're doped up. Yeah. Uh, you know, but these people are going to cheer everything and they're really going to, they're going to give you a chance. They're going to give you reactions. They might unfortunately give you beach balls too, but they're a very excited crowd. It's a concentration of all the people that frankly I would want in the audience. But sure. The people that really, the people that are willing to to make that investment just to be there for that kind of an event. Yeah, they've got the disposable income to to want to spend it all on your product. And the the kind of I don't know, patronizing way and demeaning way that they talk about them irritates me. Yeah. Every freaking year. And it's basically just it's their way of saying we can't control our audience by telling stories that will make them react the way that we want to. Uh and it's it's like, well, why are then why are you insulting them? Why are you trying to explain to a lot of your casual audience, why your hardcore audience isn't reacting the way the casual audience is. You should be able to tell stories that appeal to both. Can I, can I be honest? Please. I don't know that anybody gives a shit. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe backstage. Uh, but well, no, I see. I the company, you mean? Like, no, I mean, I don't know that I really care that they aren't getting the reaction that they want. I guess oh, is I the way I want to say that. Right, right. You don't, it's not that you don't care about the, how the audience feels. Sure. Because I it, am the audience. Right. And you get the improvement. My, my point is, is that's the feeling that they are giving you by saying that these bizarro world lines is, yeah, 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 we hear you guys, but we don't care. It's the duly noted line, you yeah. know, writ large. It's like, okay, we hear you, but that's great. You can yell all you want. We're still going to do what right. we're going to do. That being said, moving on from that, uh, that, that aside, it's also a great audience to debut people in front of because these are people who know people who aren't in the company, who aren't in the main roster, who are in other companies, who are in NXT. So they are going to project that excitement out through the TV to a more casual audience who may not know these people. Uh, 
they're going to project like, oh, this is somebody important. And so it's a great time to call people up and to bring people back because you're going to get a hero's welcome for them. And on this show, we had a ton of those and we got to run those down. First and foremost, someone we've been talking about coming back for a while. We didn't know in what way he was going to be involved. And this week it was basically he was, he was involved by interrupting an Elias segment. Elias was in the ring talking smack to the crowd and getting a great reaction when all of a sudden who should come back to the program but Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. Where did he come from? Uh, well, Impact TNA. I but, know that, but I mean, I wasn't. And this, before that, WWE. This and, has been rumored, but I mean, it's. I thought that there were reasons that he left in the first place that would maybe prohibit him from coming back. So when I started hearing the rumors, that was where I kind of went, eh, I don't buy it. He, uh, never say never with the <laughs> WWE, man. I mean, who have we seen come back that we thought hell would freeze over before they came back? Jeff Jarrett. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's a good one. Excuse me. Warrior. I mean, yep. for crying out loud, there's a lot of them. But uh, no, Lashley was not a, a huge surprise that he came out. But at the same time, exciting to see him back on TV. Dude looks as good as he ever did. He's gotten a lot better on the mic than he used to be. Uh, I mean, he he held up Elias in uh, you know for in a suplex position for a good thirty like twenty seven minutes. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. He was up there. Yeah, big strong dude. He's going to have a lot of things to do in the WWE. They obviously this week because of the superstar shakeup, they didn't really give us an idea of what's going to happen going forward. It was basically just like look at all these all these parts we have. We're going to shuffle them around next week. So Lashley basically just came out to to a big welcome back, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see where he goes because he is. Pretty much an instant main eventer. Yeah. You could put him against Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, any of those, Roman Reigns, any of those guys, and then he's immediately, he looks legitimate. Well, you know how you refer to Elias as Seth Rollins' final form? I think yeah. Bobby Lashley is Shelton Benjamin's final form. <laughs> if there, Just when you think that Shelton Benjamin can't get any bigger, here's Bobby Lashley. Here's Bob, yeah, here's Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Bobby Lashley looks like he ate Shelton Benjamin. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, that's that's very appropriate. I will never be able to unsee that. Uh, on, speaking of monsters, though, uh, we had two more monsters show up this week. So God, we, this is long overdue. This is long overdue, and given what's going on in NXT, this is like this is the last second they had to pull this trigger. It was the perfect time to do this. Uh, we had a tag tournament get set up this week for the for the tag titles which well, we'll discuss in a I need, second. I need to do, I need well we need to set that one up a little bit I okay, think. Okay, sure. I, I need because of Braun Strowman basically pulling out my victory at WrestleMania for me. Yes. One of two major matches. Um we had a small segment where Nicholas appeared on Raw behind yes, behind the, the scenes the with 10-year-old tag team co-champion. Yes. Yeah. Braun Strowman uh approaches Kurt Angle backstage has his belt, has his tag team title on his shoulder, but we're wondering where Nicholas is. We don't see him. Oh, wait, he's been here the entire time. He's behind me. He's hiding behind Braun They Stroman. even allowed Nicholas to say something to Kurt Angle, but ultimately they relinquished the tag team championships, which I thought, okay, that's a good way to get out of that and we can move on. It was, I don't know about a good way. It was a way out of it. It makes the whole, to me, it, it really kind of drives home that the whole thing was just, as I said, they had booked Braun into a corner and this was their, one. this was one way out of it. This was a cute segment. Yep. I'll give you that. Nicholas played his part very well. I love the way that Braun played this too, where he said, you know, we got to give these up because Nicholas has uh, some time commitments. Scheduling conflicts. Scheduling conflicts. Yes. Uh, he's in the fourth grade. <laughs> and Nick, and he says, well, when he's bigger, when he's graduated, he'll come back. And then, We're coming back for those we'll titles. We're coming back for those titles. And, <laughs> and Nick goes, and then they're going to get these hands. 
And then Genius. They, then they I really, loved it. That was it. Was very fun. It was very well done. Uh, that being said, it's still I'm beefed by the whole angle. Another instance, like the Dolph Ziggler thing, where someone just gives up the titles. It uh, it makes the tag team division and Sheamus and Cesaro in particular look even more bad. I so I was not a fan of this angle overall, even though I was entertained by it. It really. Uh, they're going to have to do some work to make the tag team look legitimate again, which brings us back to this tournament. Yes, because uh, the bar immediately asked for Kurt to get their titles back. Well, they relinquished them. Cool. We'll take them back. And Kurt says, no, 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 no. There's you guys are going to defend these titles against the winners of this tournament. We're going to set up and this tournament went throughout Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, we had the revival beat the good brothers. The, re- the revival moved on, which is yes, at least they're going somewhere. We'll see how far yes. they go. Uh, and then we had Matt Hardy teaming up with Bray Wyatt. Looks like they're going to be a consistent tag team because they beat Titus worldwide. So that, and, as you do, <laughs> and and frankly, in they looked great together. They're a lot of they're very interesting together. I like the dynamic. Like I'm definitely getting more and more into this idea of Matt Hardy, Woken uh, Bray Wyatt, Woken Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Um, but uh, the big the big news was the fact that you had. Rhino and Heath Slater come to the ring and challenge whoever they were going to challenge in the tournament. And out comes, finally, Authors of Pain. With Paul Ellering. With Paul Ellering. Which I did not expect. I did not expect him to come up with them. Well, so this is the, this is the, this is the thing with Paul Ellering, is we did not expect him to come up with them because the dude is 70-something years old. He can't go on the road. You know what I mean? He can't be with them out there. And we were wondering how they were going to get out of that. Well, after they squashed the crap out of Rhino and Heath Slater, which was a good debut, they looked, they showed off all their big moves. They looked like monsters. Uh, they started walking up the ramp and they kind of put their hands on Paul's chest and were like, "No, no, 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 we're going ahead on our own." And they even had like a YouTube segment um, that was up on WW.com where Ellering comes up to them backstage and goes, "What are you guys doing? I wrote I wrote your path to success." And they said, well, your chapter's done, Paul. We're going to go off on our own. Cool. Simple, elegant. All way. we needed. That's all we need. Boom. Paul's gone. AOP is out on their own. They're on Monday Night Raw. They've been unleashed on Monday Night Raw. And I, I can only imagine it will end up being AOP in the bar uh, for the tag titles, yeah. which will be defended, I believe, if I'm not correct, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the, the greatest, greatest Royal Rumble. Rumble. Greatest yeah. Royal Rumble reference number two. For those of you that watch or listen to this program and watch the main roster programming, but maybe not watch NXT, you got your first glimpse of AOP this week, the Authors of Pain on Raw. And yes, it was a squash match, but what you need to understand is that they have pretty much wholesale dominated NXT tags, tag division for the, about the last two years, and there, there really hasn't been anybody that could really go toe-to-toe with them at their size and, and weight class. So be very excited about these guys. These are guys that are at least a year overdue from being called up to the main roster. I can't wait to see what they do. And I, frankly, I wouldn't be expect, I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if they're not running things in the tag division a year from now. It wouldn't surprise me at all. They're, and here's the other thing. They're young. Yeah. They are really they're like 22 and 23 years old. They're, yep. not, they're, they're just getting started. They're very talented. Um, still a little green on some things. I mean... It's not out of the realm of reality to, to compare them to the Bludgeon Brothers in yep. terms of their style. Go out there and just kill people. They don't have a lot of the like the flashier, more skillful moves that like a, like the Harper does, for example. But uh, but they do have some great Smash Mouth stuff. Their tag team timing is great. Um, they were great in a lot of their NXT matches. Some of them were on the list of matches of the year, like some of their matches with the Revival and DIY. They're yeah. very good 
in ring. They're good at uh, they're good at establishing what they are. So I you know it's exciting that they're. It looks like they'll be on Raw. Obviously, we'll have a shakeup. Who knows what? Who will end up where? I imagine most people that debuted on Raw will stay. Yeah, I agree on with Raw. That. So it's just a matter of who they're going to have to compete with, um, and if they take the titles off of the bar uh, in Saudi Arabia, or if the bar gets them back, and uh, then the AOP has to fight upwards to get them back. In the we'll see. Either way, I'm I'm so happy they finally got called up. We'll discuss why they got called up when we get to the NXT section of our show today, uh, because it just made sense. We, mm-hmm. We've got some new debuts in NXT that it was just there was no more room for big dudes in NXT. These guys had to come up now. Um, so yeah, the great debut for them. Well, they weren't the only ones that got called up. We ended up having Alexa Bliss in the ring. With was Mickey James out there with I her? I think it was I a setup. It was supposed to be a setup. It was kind of unclear when it happened, but uh, Nia Jax came out to celebrate the fact that she's the That's new right. That's Raw right. Women's Champion, and she got a great uh, round of applause and everyone saying you deserve it. And it was a great moment. And out comes Alexa Bliss to spoil the party with Mickey James. Well, they didn't make clear was this was the setup for a tag match. It looked like it was just Alexa Bliss spoiling Nia's coronation party. Right. Um, you know, saying saying, you know, Naya is the real bully here. She beat up Mickey James, and I was concerned about Mickey James the whole match, so I couldn't really wrestle properly, and it was really mean. And Naya turns around and says, Shut up, Alexa. Yeah. And the entire crowd breaks up. Uh this was this was a fun segment to begin with because Naya was very obviously just you know, she was very much her her natural presence, not even like the act she was putting on, she came across feeling like you were really happy for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? She put out this really kind of overjoyed energy that was infectious that you couldn't, I don't know. You could really, you couldn't really act that it was just, it came out of her that she was just almost giddy. Yeah. It was just really fun. Basking in the glow of the audience, you know, yeah, who were uh, really appreciative yep. of her. It was a nice moment. Uh, and but we didn't stop there. Oh no, because uh, somehow we got a tag match set up. Well, uh, that, around this. Yeah. Well, and- we didn't realize it was a tag match. We didn't realize a tag match at first, but then Naya says, well, I've got a tag partner. And that tag partner is Ember Moon. Oh my God! I knew this was coming. Did Again, you? another one that was long overdue. Um, she should have. I think her injury in NXT set her back way back uh, when she was having that feud with Oscar last summer. But all that said, we finally got Ember Moon on the main roster, and it looks like she's going to be on Raw. Well, and it looks like she's going to be dominant because they had this tag match, uh, and and Nia started and uh, got kind of you know teamed up on and. You know, couple strength spots or whatever but eventually goes and tags in ember moon hot tags ember moon and she comes in and just uh annihilates i think they mickey and alexa combined maybe got one or two offensive moves on her yeah but she just flew around kicked the crap out of mickey alexa comes in and pretty quickly ember puts her in the eclipse and she an ember pins the very very recent champion long time long time champion on her first night pins are clean in the center of the ring so yeah it's things are looking bright for ember right now she got a great reaction as you would imagine she looked great um depending on how everything shakes up she could have a really great division to work with on raw and if they're as high on her as that as it seems with her debut yeah she could be doing a lot of stuff in this in this division well lastly let's talk about the last nxt call-up that uh, we had come in that was borderline adam rose rosebuds-esque kind of thing and I, borderline it, it was i don't was, I, I, note for note pretty I mean, much i like no no way jose in the ring i've never been a big fan of his song and the whole dancing thing it's never been my my shtick but once he gets in the ring he's he's a badass 
So we basically had a 10-minute segment here of people doing a conga line around the ring in New Orleans, Bourbon Street masks, and about 30 seconds worth of ring time. Yeah, squash match on squash an unnamed match. jobber. Uh, you know, there were only a million wrestlers in New Orleans this weekend, so who knows who that was. But And then we just, the music kicks right in again, and we do conga line again. And right I'm, back out. And I'm going, okay, that, I mean, that works. But I, I I don't know who he is. You didn't tell me anything about. Well, but here's him the problem: is that in in NXT, No Way Jose had a pretty good run there for a while, and then he got injured, and we didn't really see him again. I think he had one match that he about lost. Eight months he was gone. I yeah, think. and he and he had one match that he lost. I always liked him in NXT because he had that switch. He would come out party. He, I think he had a conga line only once or twice ever in NXT. It was only him coming out solo and dancing his way to the ring and getting the audience to dance with him. And being very engaging, and they kind of couldn't help their, themselves. It was very like fan, Fandango kind of thing, where yeah. you know he would he would just by his charisma get the audience to dance with him. And um, but but the great thing about Noe Jose, and this is what the big thing that differentiates him from Adam Rose was that Adam Rose's character was very much very nonchalant. Once he was in the ring, he didn't he never really flipped the switch to being uh, like a, a badass. And Noe Jose does when the dancing stops, the ass kicking begins. And you kind of saw that in this match, but as you said, it was mostly the dancing in the conga line, and that stuff was so reminiscent of Adam Rose that it was, yeah, it made me worried about how exactly they're going to present No Way Jose, especially considering how stacked these rosters are. And depending on where he ends up, he may just dive right into mid, low mid-card land and we'll never see him again in six months. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... It's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of uphill battle for him in terms of coming across as being legitimate, especially if this is how they're presenting him. No, it's, it's all about how they book him. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, well, those were the ones that were called up. Let's talk about the big two big returns we had yes, coming sir. back to the show. First of which uh, is is I'm just gonna say, Brother Nero has Bro- arrived. Brother Nero, <laughs> yes, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, Jeff Hardy comes back in the middle of a segment where uh, Seth Rollins is celebrating his Intercontinental Title win, and Finn comes out to congratulate him and says, "I want another shot at it." And the Miz comes out to say, "Get behind me because I get my rematch at Backlash," and they set up a match. Uh, and Miz has a great bit about how his uh, his new daughter and his wife were were watching the Intercontinental match at WrestleMania, and Seth win- winning made them cry, which in yes. turn made Miz cry. And Seth says, "That's so funny because everyone else cries whenever you wrestle." But it was this was a f- was, I love these three guys in the ring together. This was a ton of fun. I was not expecting this to happen with the Miz Taraj and Miz uh, looking like they're going to three on two Seth and Finn. Who should come out for the save? But Brother Nero himself. Jeff Hardy back from injury and he's immediately dumped into the intercontinental title picture. They set up a three on three match for the end of the show. Yes. I don't know that that immediately throws him into that conversation though. I'm wondering if it's just a face versus heel kind of thing. And he came out to fill a gap. Sure. I don't know if that puts him in, in the line of contention for the intercontinental championship. I th- still think you got to go through Miz and Balor at this point. They're still there. Yeah. And, and the match that's been booked at the greatest Royal rumble reference number, I think two or three now, uh, they are going to have an intercontinental championship ladder match in yes. Saudi Arabia, which is going to be Finn, Seth, Miz, and Samoa Joe for, yes. for, for the title. Uh, Jeff Hardy nowhere to be seen in that. Um, obviously, card subject to change, so we'll see. But yeah, Jeff ended up having a match uh, on Finn and Seth's side against the Miz Taraj and the Miz later in the show. Kind of a fluff match. It was just a fun little 
eight, 10 minute match, basically just to everybody do their Jeff. spots on the Miz yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Everyone doing the spots on the Miz And, you know, obviously they can't set anything in stone because who knows where people are going to end up. Uh, Jeff could go over to SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought he might be in the intercontinental title picture because he came out in the middle of an intercontinental title segment. But well, that would make sense. Yeah. But but who knows? Who knows? It might have just been a way to get him back and get him over again and remind everybody, hey, he's really cool. He's also the same size as Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Right. Which I thought was funny. Remember when Jeff was the little one in the WWE? Now he's the he same was the little flyer guy. Yeah. And now they're all little flyer. Guys. Now they're all that way. Well, we weren't done there because uh, later on on the show we had a, um, a backstage segment of sorts. Oh, this was brilliant. Where um, Finn and Seth were walking with Jeff Hardy, and Jeff kind of looks out of the corner of his eye. Camera pans over, and Woken Matt Hardy is standing <laughs> there. Ah, good brother Nero. You know, uh, sibling. Yes. Wonderful. All this. All his words. Um. This was a fantastic segment because it introduced Bray Wyatt into this, and now you have a kind of a three-way thing going on between Woken Matt Hardy, Woken Bray Wyatt, I guess we're going to call him now, and as Bray Wyatt called him, Brother Nero. So he started using all of his words again and said obsolete, and I'm, I'm sitting there just marking the hell out the whole time. Well, it was really fun because Jeff Hardy stayed Jeff Hardy, Yep, but you got the feeling like he understood his brother like he, he spoke was, the language he, he spoke the language he was the and Rosetta Stone. yeah and they really defined the relationship between them all and it was even a fun moment at the end of it all you know where, where Jeff turns and is talking to Matt Hardy kind of in as you said in his language Bray comes over he kind of speaks in their language and they all come to an accord and then they all walk away and Jeff turns back around and Finn and Seth are sitting there going what the heck was that about and Jeff just kind of shrugs and walks away it was this was a great very simple very character driven segment that was a ton of fun um and especially considering how gonzo the you know the the matt hardy world is being able to to have some of your characters bridge that you know what i mean to to come over between your more quote-unquote realistic uh storylines right and this goonier matt hardy stuff it was fun i i really i dug this a lot and it was so simple but so effective well next up we had uh roman reigns come out to kind of whine and whinge and kind of be a little the little bitch that paul Heyman's been calling him for a yeah, while this now. was a weird segment because he the the kayfabe on this was all over the place yeah. where he said well you know vince didn't clue me in at wrestlemania whatever that means if he's talking about vince didn't clue him in that brock was going to kick his ass or didn't clue him in that he wasn't going to go over or like or i'm not sure what he meant by that uh but what he did let slip was that he and brock have a rematch in a cage at the greatest royal rumble reference number four or five this started as like a 50 man royal battle royal match how is it now all these title matches i know there's title matches and there's major major rematches i don't know i mean i guess saudi arabia's got a lot of money i guess that they're paying the wwe for this stuff (laughs) well here's the other speculation about this so obviously it's it's gotten out now that the main event at wrestlemania the, the the finish was changed within the last couple of days before wrestlemania it was supposed to be roman all along and for whatever reason, whether they thought they didn't want the fan backlash at WrestleMania or or whatever it was, or they just were like, no, it's not time yet. Whatever it was, they pushed the coronation back, if yeah. you will. Um, and I don't think I don't think they came up with any kind of better finish at WrestleMania if they were trying to you know leave WrestleMania not having people be 
uh, disappointed or you know booing them or anything. They they did not come with up with a good alternate for that. I agree, and I think that was one of the the most prolific reason I've heard so far um, from several places is that they didn't want to end WrestleMania in a sea of boos crowning a brand new champion. Right. Uh, that's kind of what they got anyway. Right. So here's, but here's the uh, speculation now is that, okay, so now we have this rematch in Saudi Arabia in a cage in front of what is typically a much more kayfabe friendly crowd, a crowd that's much more like they will buy into the kayfabe of it. Um, you know, I know I have, I have a lot of people who are from India or from Saudi Arabia who openly say, oh yeah, a lot of my friends really do think this is real or they, they buy in hook, line and sinker on a lot of the stuff. So it, it, there's two possibilities here. Either Brock holds it long enough to beat CM Punk's modern day record, championship holding record, and that this is just their way of sticking it to CM Punk. You think he really gives a shit about that, or that is that the WWE driving that that sword in? It's it would. I don't think Brock cares about. I don't think Brock cares about anything but getting paid. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with that. I, but the WWE definitely have a history of erasing people's records who they don't like, whether it's AJ Lee, whether it's Demolition, whoever it is. So it would not surprise me if they did do that just to spite CM Punk. That being said, realistically, I could also see them putting the title on Roman in this cage in Saudi Arabia in front of a much more Roman-friendly crowd when you have all the cheers that you were not going to get in front of this bizarro world crowd, supposedly, at WrestleMania. This bizarro world crowd of 80,000 of your most ardent fans, by the way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this... That the table, the tail of the tape is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Is if they put the title on Roman there, then we're going to look back at WrestleMania and go, "Oh, you just wanted him to get cheered, and you changed that at the last minute because you saw the Greatest Royal Rumble coming up and went." I bet we can get him cheered over there. Let's dial that up a little bit. Yeah, let's yeah. let's put it over there. They can be in a cage, whatever. So Roman can climb over the top of the cage and not have to pin Brock Lesnar to win. You know, there's all kinds of ways out here. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But the important thing about this Monday Night Raw that we have to talk <laughs> I was about. Say, we just spent 10 minutes talking about. We did, well, that's, it's again. an important thing to we talk about. We can't get away from it. We, it's an important thing to talk about. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a talking point that was relevant to this particular line of discussion, sir. Yes. But also relevant to it is the fact that Roman now has a match at Backlash because who should come back to interrupt Mr. Reigns but the returning Samoa Joe. Joe. And the crowd went wild because they're not supposed to cheer him, but they did right? because it's Bizarro World. Right. But they cheered the crap out of Joe, (laughs) especially against Roman Reigns. They cheered the crap out of Joe. I'm so excited for this. If you guys have been listening for a long time on this show, you know, uh, coming out of like SummerSlam last year, last summer, I was really looking forward beyond that to having this. I dubbed it the Samoan feud. Sure. Uh, and that's probably Paul, Paul Heyman putting that in your head, by the way. Yeah. And I think this is going to be fantastic if we can get these two in story, be, get, we, we got to get past Brock Lesnar first. We all know that however they decide to do it, but this is going to be fantastic when these two guys, but get here's going. my worry is that Joe is just a transitional feud for Roman reigns because of where he is relative to WrestleMania. He's not in a place where he's going to be beating Roman on a consistent basis, especially if Roman wins the belt off of Brock Lesnar. He's yeah. not going to be beating him for this belt, I tell you. Um, I don't know that. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine they're going to go through all this to put it on Roman for a month. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that being said, if, if Roman does lose at uh, Saudi Arabia, then we've got a little more time. But then, essentially, Joe just becomes a heater for the next time Roman faces Brock or whatever they're going to do with Brock down the road. 
which is unfortunate. It's, it's, it's basically they're feeding Joe to Roman at this point. I can't see any other outcome from this feud other than that, unless they, you know, unless they're not hot on Roman anymore, which I'm sorry, they are. They're still Roman's still the man. Yeah. So this is un- is unfortunate in that sense is that Joe is going to be this transitional feud for him. Um, and and I, the only thing I can hope is they book it similar to the Roman and Strowman feud last year where it's not really about the wins and losses. It's about these two guys beating the crap out of each other and one of them barely surviving. So if, if they can pull that out of this angle, then I'm okay with it. My biggest concern is we get that title back on TV full-time, period, hard stop. Don't care how it gets there, who, who carries it. Well said. That's it. Just get it back on TV. Get it back right. on TV. Let's have some actual feuds week-to-week basis. I don't want to see it once a quarter. You know, and this is the thing. It's it's one of the reasons why The Miz is saying the Intercontinental belt has become so, so prestigious under him is because he's promoting it on TV week in and week out. And as far as him establishing himself as a legitimate holder of a title, the timing could not have been better for The Miz to, and then to have the main title of the show be off of the show for most of the year. He was the only guy holding a belt on TV week in and week out. You had final boss Brock Lesnar kind of swimming around in the ether the entire time, but Miz was the dude with the belt for most of the time. The Intercontinental belt was the legit belt for most of the year. So timing worked out real well for Miz on that one. We'll see what happens when the main belt's back on the show. What happens to the secondary belt? Great point, great point. Hey, something else I'm concerned about still, Ronda Rousey. Really? I still have my doubts. I still have my concerns because... We cannot. I'm hoping that it was a one week thing. It was for the Raw after WrestleMania, the after party of sorts. Raw opened up this week with Stephanie McMahon coming out in a sling, some kind of cast or something on her arm, leading to Ronda Rousey coming out as well to basically rip it off of her, beat her with it, and break her arm. Yes, uh, and then her being hauled out by um, you know medical personnel while to jo- a local medical facility. While JoJo asks the audience for a little bit of respect and decorum for Stephanie McMahon, Just- dear. God, they were good at getting heat. Good on job, this. Jojo. You nailed they were, that. They were brilliant on getting heat for this this week. It's rare you see Stephanie McMahon get humbled, and when it when you do, because she's so good at getting heat before it. This is why I was saying earlier this year, where you know she was just coming out and 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 making Kurt look like a fool, and before that, McFoley, and and just constantly running everybody down. In the Attitude Era, McMahon, Vince McMahon, got his comeuppance almost on a weekly basis, yeah. or like every every pay per view at least. Stephanie almost never gets hers. So when she does, it's so damn satisfying. And frankly, I don't know what your your opinion is on this. because I don't think it's that good based on how you came into this segment. But I thought Rousey looked fantastic beating the crap out of her. I want to see her wrestle other superstars. I, I need to get past this corporate angle. Sure. I, that's really where I'm at. Fair enough. But that being said, hindsight being 2020, Ronda Rousey's match at WrestleMania with with Hunter and, and Stephanie and, and Angle was one of, if not the best matches of the show. It was I not keep, the best match. I keep of the going show. back. Come to on, it. dude. In, in terms of We're how it was disagree booked, about this and how it was booked and how it was laid out and how it was executed. It has to be considered one of the better matches on the show. You've got Charlotte Oscar, which had a bullshit finish. You had the Intercontinental Title match, which was too short, and frankly. Because it's Triple H probably, and he always has the longest uh, matches at WrestleMania. That Rousey match was went, went, went for a long time. It told a great story. It was a lot of fun. It felt like a joke to me. Uh, I didn't yeah, take yeah. it seriously. The, the man, Sorry for wait, being wait, wait. super it felt like a joke. To, it felt like a joke to you, Mister. I love Nicholas. Yeah, I love with Nicholas. Braun Strowman. It, That's a joke. No, I didn't. I'm not out here saying it was the best thing in WrestleMania. 
So, Michelle calling it a joke. I think that I think what you're calling the best thing at WrestleMania was a joke. I just I didn't buy it. It's a it's a very on the nose way to try and put her over. Prove it to me. Prove it to me that she can wrestle week to week, toe to toe with female superstars and end up at pay per views in title matches with other superstars. Then I'll believe. And I'm saying that's a fantastic start to it based on that match. Meanwhile, turning around and burying the entire tag division because you like your boy it Braun Strowman already. It was dead. It was dead weeks before it ever got. So to that's okay to bring in a ten-year-old kid to bury it further. That's well, not a joke. But to, Ronda Rousey to hit is. the reset button on the tag division. Oh my god, that's what needed to be done. All right, we'll agree to disagree on that, yep. sir. But uh, I definitely, I, I'm very hopeful for Ronda Rousey after her match at WrestleMania and after this action on Monday Night Raw. Eh. Uh, what I'm kind of getting nervous about is the Sasha Bailey feud. We had a Sasha had a match with Mandy Rose this week. Uh, of course, Bailey for some reason comes out to an entrance as well and just hangs out by the ring until it's time for her to nail Sasha in the head uh, and cause Sasha to get uh, to lose the match. And once again, they've got tension. Now this has started. They've done this over and over again since before WrestleMania. This has to start going somewhere. Maybe they're waiting to see what happens in the shakeup, if they're going to continue this angle or not. But they if they're going to continue this angle, God damn it. Do it. Do it. Go on. Do yeah. it. The predictability of this is off the charts. And I don't know what to what to think about it anymore. I've been teased endlessly for the better part of a year now, and I just I just want it. Yeah. And until you give it to me, I'm just going to be eh, pull okay. the trigger. Damn it. Yep. Uh, either either pull the trigger or separate them in the shuffle and just stop it altogether. Yep. Uh, but speaking of being separated, another match that was made tonight. And this is actually another big deal to talk about. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, somewhat predictably, since they've been officially fired from SmackDown. Right. They showed up on Raw tonight to ask for a job. Of course, Kurt Angle, knowing that these two are not very good with authority, says, I really don't want either of you, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you a chance. Uh, why don't you two fight each other? Whoever wins in the match, they get a job on Raw. So we had a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match. And by the way, how many times have these guys faced each other? Over and Endlessly. over, time and time again. And damn it, every time they find a way to make their matches interesting and entertaining. Tina and Orton should take notes on this. Yeah, no shit. Like this is this is how you like this is why people can't fight forever at these guys because they could have a match every day and they'd find some new thing to make it interesting or some new twist. Uh, the now the twist about this one was the finish. The finish. Yeah. It was a great match. The crowd was hot for it. As unsurprisingly, the finish was. Uh, that uh, let's see, Sammy hits Kevin. Uh, Kevin's sitting at the top of the turnbuckle. Uh, Sammy hits Kevin with the haluva kick and goes to capitalize. Kevin kind of half groggily gives him the fisherman's buster off the top rope. They both are lying on the mat. Neither one can get up to answer the 10 count. They both lose. Neither so, one of them get a job. Neither one get a job. So what? And they explain nothing. Like, what? I have no idea what's going to happen now. Well, yeah. So here's the are, thing. Are they, are they going back to NXT? Well, <laughs> <laughs> 205 Live. Do they show up asking William Regal yeah. for a job? Kevin Owens goes on a diet and goes to 205 Live. Oh, wow. like, I don't yeah. know, but here's the thing. So what do they do now? They've been fired for both brands. It's been made clear nobody wants them. How do they get their jobs back? And how do we see how they get their jobs back? This is the real question. And what is WWE got up its sleeve for this? Because this, I can't imagine. There's a lot of hot shutting that goes on in WWE. There's a lot of like, well, let's just do this because screw it. You need to have an idea of how you're going to get out of this one. These are two of your most popular guys. Yeah. And I can't imagine that you're going to just drape them with no real plan or at least a carrot to sniff on 
for what they're going to do next or for the rest of the year. I, you know, are they safe? Are they going to tell me that? Let me know that. And I'm worried they're going to come up with some bullshit way of getting them back on TV that we're all going to roll our eyes on. Oh, of course, that that has no logical basis, but all right, we'll go with it. Daniel Bryan's decision to fire them is no longer valid because he's now an in-ring performer because of the superstar shake up or something. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And I hate that because these are, frankly, at least one, if not two, of my favorite superstars on the entire roster for both brands. Well, so. I, don't, I don't hate it because of the anticipation. And sure. It keeps me interested and intrigued. And I just it makes want to sleep at comeback night. You know? <laughs> I got to know what's You're going on You're losing sleep Owens. over Kevin Owens and I, Sami I Zayn? I like Kevin Owens. My goodness, sir. You are you are definitely into this show. Yes. But uh, no, I'm curious to see what happens go- next. Obviously, Superstar Shake-Up has some ways out of it. There's ways out of it. They've got... And one of those ways out of it, we need to talk about right now because probably one of the other... This was a show of big things. Like, yes. if you watch the Hulu version... Very big Raw. You were missing a lot of stuff because they just didn't... Everything was... Except for the Sasha Bailey thing, pretty much everything was meaningful on this show. Yeah. And nothing more so than something that happened after the Sasha Bailey match when Paige, who was, in the, who was at the ring to support Absolution, hops into the ring and kind of out of nowhere retires yep says says what we've all known for a while which is that she is injured and has not been cleared to compete and likely will never be cleared again um because of her neck injury not because of concussions like daniel bryan but this is like a Corey graves or an edge kind of issue um and very tearfully and in a in a very i thought touching segment retires and says i i cannot this is i that's all i've ever done in my life I can't do it anymore. She did it right in front of the right audience as well. Shit, yeah, she did. They started chanting, "This is your house," yep. and she broke down. That was that was a good moment. Um, but yeah, and then she she walked out, and that was that. Or was it? Because we need to go and continue this discussion of Paige over on SmackDown Live. Yes, picking up where we left off, Paige is announced by Shane McMahon as the new general manager of SmackDown Live. Swerve! What? Swerve! Didn't see this coming. No, I did not see this coming either, and I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, but I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced either. I need either. convincing on this one. She doesn't really have that authority figure presence, but at the same time, I'm nitpicking yep. because it could have easily been Jeff Jarrett, and she's way better than Jeff Jarrett. Oh, God. That, you know, I, I'm, I literally I'm just threw up in my mouth a little and bit. And also, after such a moment on Monday Night Raw, to have her basically say, I'm never going to wrestle again. I don't know what I'm going to do now. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, found something to do. 24 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, okay, <laughs> she'll be fine. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it, that's, it's heartwarming. I love having a, uh, another female GM. We haven't since Vicky Guerrero. Is that right? <laughs> ten, <Yes>. 10 years ago? <laughs> hardly, hardly a... Uh, it's hardly difficult to have a step up. Vicky Guerrero might be Naito girl. <gasps> oh, God. Let the conspiracy theories begin. Uh, so now that Daniel Bryan has returned to in-ring competition, we've it, uh, there was a slot empty, so now we're getting Paige. My thoughts on Paige so far, she felt a little shaky, but after the previous evening, I get it. It's fine. Give her a pass this week. But the first thing she does... Good book Lord. a match between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. That's a way to get the crowd, get over with the crowd. Not seen since Ring of Honor. Unbelievable. <laughs> that's I mean, that's a pay per view match right there. 
And to the point where I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why did you do Why are you giving this away here? I'm like, okay, cool. Shh, calm down. I'll let it happen. You know, they gave away so many pay-per-view quality matches this year on SmackDown Live that it's, it's crazy. Cena, Nakamura, Nakamura, Orton, and so many, uh, so many ones. I was like, what are you? You got to be kidding me. And here's another one. It gave away AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan on the SmackDown after WrestleMania. But I wasn't mad at it because, of course, it was an awesome match and they didn't ever really get out of third gear. No. And they definitely left a lot on the table for you could tell you're like, oh, they got more in them. They've got more in them. And if it wasn't for the match getting interrupted three, uh, two thirds of the way through, you feel like they could have gone to the next level, which made the interruption even more of a heel move because you're like, no, what are you doing? Interrupting this match. But of course, who should interrupt it? But Shinsuke, newly heel Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I'm loving, loving Nakamura as a heel. He had a backstage promo that was. Oh, this was the best. So good. Uh, they didn't give him a lot to say and they didn't need to. And what he did say, he, he just nailed it. Nailed it. You had Renee Young interviewing him saying, you know, what do you want to say to AJ after after getting mad at him at, at, or get, I, you know, betraying him at WrestleMania? And Nakamura says, well, maybe my emotions got in the way. I'm not really sure, but, you know, I really want to apologize to AJ Styles and gives this little wink like, yeah, sure I do. <laughs> that was great. Renee starts using a lot of big words with him and starts asking him what what's what's he going to do next and go, uh, sorry, no speak English. And walks away and just like so like sneering and sarcastic about it. Stood up in my chair in front of my chair. Just wait. That's what you've been should have been doing the whole year. Yeah. Well, and the snarky way that he said it, the sarcastic way he said it. We know he can speak English. He just has a thick accent. Um, But that was a brilliant heel move because it tweaks that racist WWE formula. Right. It's tweaking that. And it was I thought. At once, uh, I don't want to say self-aware because, because that, that implies a level of intelligence I don't really attribute to the WWE creative. Yeah. But uh, I thought that it was well done and Nakamura just nailed it just as he nailed AJ Styles' poor testicles because that man has got to be the goat of low blows. <laughs> he doesn't just low blow AJ when he low blows him. He likes sure you his nuts like he gets that arm all the way up there. I saw one like still image of him giving him the low blow. It was like he was punching him in the back of the head. He was he went all he the was, way through. He was going to a fireman's carry. He was lifting him up so high. <laughs> like it was just a full on uppercut. <laughs> it was brutal. That's what we call a taint punch. Yeah. So he, he, he Kinshasa gets in the middle of this match. Kinshasa's Daniel Bryan proceeds to just have an all out assault on AJ's man junk. And the next thing AJ's, you know, AJ's 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 AJ's. And uh, next thing you know, AJ's lying crumpled in the ring. Nakamura is slinking away to a heels uh, goodbye from the audience. I This is awesome. You've got AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and Nakamura involved in this now. Ah, I'm, I, I'm a happy wrestling fan. Yes. Very, very happy. I really hope none of these guys get shooken up off of SmackDown Live. Keep these three together, please. Please, please, please let us have more of this. Let us have more heel Nakamura. It was I thought it was Daniel Bryan that was going to go heel at WrestleMania. Instead, it was Shinsuke. And you know what? It is just as good as I all the all the fantasy ways that I pictured Daniel Bryan being heel. Now I get that with Nakamura. He's a fantastic heel. This is going to be good. 
Yeah. I looking back hindsight's 2020, I didn't see it coming a mile away, but it's looking back on it, it makes so much sense. So much. And it's it's it really well done, guys. So yeah, and looking back at their match, I'm not as disappointed in it as I was when I first saw it. I think the hype was so much. It was still a really solid match. Yeah. And much like this match with Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, it felt like they had more to do. They had more to say in the future, and hopefully they'll get the chance to do that. I just think it's weird that they didn't do it at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? They, they gave us like the preview match at WrestleMania for yeah. this feud. It's weird. But whatever. If we get more of it and it gets hotter, then fantastic. Uh, but speaking of something we're getting more of, and that's the women's division on SmackDown this week. Uh, Charlotte came out to celebrate her win over Asuka and breaking the streak. And we had a debut on SmackDown. Finally, the iconic duo. Uh, excuse me. The Iconics. The Iconics debuted their new iconic duos is the way I'd like to <laughs> say. Yes, what Nick is referring to is that uh, Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay uh, had to go have a little bit of chestal surgery before yes. they were called up to the main roster. Right. Uh, whether that was influenced by management or just personal decisions, we will never know. But uh, they are definitely coming out looking a little bit more top-heavy these days. That being said, one thing that has not changed is how much these ladies kill it on the mic. Yeah, They came out and just delivered a money, money promo on Charlotte before beating her ass down and looking nice and vicious. Yeah, the way they... Um the way they bounce off of each other, it almost got a little bit whiny, but it didn't quite get there. Oh, that's, that's and I loved the the healiness of it and the shittiness of it. Uh, ended up end up beating Charlotte up outside the ring, all kinds of stuff. And I was just waiting. I was sitting there going, "Oh, it's coming." That's yep. totally what the this audience is was for. calling for it too. Yeah, and, and, and Carmella, yeah, Carmella, and out she came. Carmella comes out to cash in her Money in the Bank contract on Charlotte, and she does it after an eternity of referee Mike Kyoto asking her if she's sure. God, he asked her like six or seven times. I love ten Mike times. Kyoto. I love you, Are you Mike sure? Kyoto. Are you yes. really sure? Are yes. you surely sure that you're sure? Yes, I'm freaking sure. Would you just ring the bell, Mike? I'm wondering if McMahon was in his ear going, wait, wait for ask it. her Wait again. for it. Wait for it. Pull it. Draw Don't it out. Don't do it yet. Damn Draw it. it out. Damn it. Uh, but no, she cast in successfully. Carmella is your new SmackDown Live Women's Champ. One super kick or one running heel kick yep. took her out. That's it. And now Carmella's the champ. Charlotte's out. Uh, not the and champ speaking anymore. Speaking of taking time, Carmella spent about half an hour running around the ring showing her championship to everybody. Yeah, that had to kill some time. Who uh, knows? I guess. Or, or maybe that's what Kyoto was doing. Anyway. I don't know. But I, either way, it now opens Charlotte up to get pulled to Raw. Yes. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yes. Where you've got both Asuka and Rousey for her to fight against. I'm wondering if Charlotte is overly dominant of the rest of the women's roster on SmackDown Live because she does seem to overshadow pretty much everybody else that's over there right now. Yeah. And I'm wondering if pulling her out of that would level the playing field a little bit and allow the SmackDown Live women's roster to be a little bit better, getting and, Naomi and Natalia, sure. Becky back into the... As please long as get it, Becky back as into long the title as it, picture. Yeah, right? As long as it doesn't go back to the, the way it was before where they're all just lined up next to the GMs all asking for matches. Yeah. You know, they have some actual good feuds, maybe two or three different women's matches as opposed to one big cluster. But uh, yeah, Carmella's your new champ. I, about time. She has the longest Money in the Bank uh, retention of anyone in history. No one's ever held it longer than she did. And she finally cashed it. We thought it was going to happen at WrestleMania. Uh, it finally happened here. And she successfully cashed in. So yeah, we'll see what happens going forward with that. I love that she, she didn't thank Ellsworth. She said it was all her. <laughs> she couldn't have done it without herself. Nice. 
but uh, the other thing that we need to talk about is the U.S. title picture because there is a U.S. championship match in Saudi Arabia. Oh, there's the a British there, Royal this Rumble. one too is happening? This is happening. Yeah, this is happening there too. We determined what the match was going to be this week because we had a triple threat match between Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, and Rusev to determine the number one contender for the <laughs> Jinder Mahal's U.S. title. That still sounds weird to say it, even though I called it. But uh, yeah, we had a triple threat match. Randy Orton, Rusev, Bobby Roode. Rusev gets thrown into the post. Bobby Roode goes for the glorious DDT, gets reversed, RKO. Randy Orton is going to face Jinder Mahal in Saudi Arabia. Didn't we see this for like five years straight last last year? year? Yeah. (laughs) Like for literally time and time and time again. And it was always terrible. It was always terrible. Is anyone excited said something, about this? No, I said something extremely vulgar, which I will not repeat uh, on this show. Uh, it, its initials are FFS for those of you that are into internet acronyms. Um, and I, I just I threw my hands up in the air and I just went, "This is what they're giving us." Really? It's almost a year later to the time that yeah. we started this whole thing with the WWE Championship last year. Now we're doing the exact. You've got Bobby Roode and you've got Rusev. And this is the two that you're going to pit against each other for, for the U.S. title. The only thing I can think is they might be trying to keep Bobby Roode and Rusev's options open for the Superstar Shake-Up. That's the only thing I can think because if they do get shaken up, obviously they can still make matches for Backlash. It's not a big deal. They, uh, supposedly, every pay-per-view is, is combined roster, but we haven't had that confirmed yet. They're only promoting Backlash as being confi- con, uh, a, conjo- a conjoined roster situation. I'm more interested not who's going to move from that group, but which titles are going to switch brands. Sure, if any. And I think the U.S. title might be switching brands. Well, that, that would usually mean that the Intercontinental would switch as well. Otherwise, you have only one title on yeah. SmackDown, which is uh, that makes it even more of a B-show. But uh, yeah, so we're not sure what Rusev's future is at this point. Obviously, the Superstar Shakeup's going to be a tell. Uh, Bobby Roode the same way. I'd love to see him on Raw. Uh, Rusev, not so much. Yep. I don't think there's a place for Rusev over there. A couple more quick points about SmackDown. We had a couple of, I really want to say, uh, well, we had one fluff match. It was Naomi versus Natalia, which is basically a time filler before the Superstar Shakeup. It's like, hey, there's these two women fighting and blah, blah, blah. Naomi won the Women's Battle Royale. whoop de doo we also had New Day versus the Usos for the number one contendership to the SmackDown titles, uh, which I believe will be defended in uh, Saudi Arabia as well at the, uh, what was it called? The Greatest Royal Rumble. Usos pick up the win here in another great match. These guys do not put on bad matches. No. Uh, so that's another another title match we have at, in Saudi Arabia. Wait, this is going to be a full-on pay-per-view then? Pretty, yeah, it's going to be free on the network. Less than three weeks from uh, uh, WrestleMania. On. Yeah. <laughs> crazy and okay. and less than two weeks from backlash uh, madness and mad and madness what they're doing but uh, if in three months we'll have the greatest wrestlemania in saudi arabia <laughs> anyway it depends on what prince is having his birthday that week and right. wants to spend a couple million dollars on the wwe Humble. but you know what before we really start talking about the greatest royal rumble let's actually start our segment that we like to call the wide world of wrestling Well, to kick things off, Ian, I want to make sure that we haven't beaten it to death yet, but did you know that there's going to be a, a pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia on April 27th called the Greatest Royal Rumble? Really? I, I had I mean, no idea. Nick. They completely bludgeoned us over the head with it all week long during all Well, they during should all because it's, it's, in, it's huge. A 50-man Royal Rumble, John Cena versus Triple H, uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in a cage. In a cage, a fatal four-way ladder match for the Intercontinental Title between Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. 
among other things. It looks like we've also got Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal, the Usos versus Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, it's stacked. The other thing that it has, or at least it did have, was Rusev versus The Undertaker what? in a casket match. What? Well, what's interesting about this is Rusev on a social media started running his mouth almost immediately. says that he's going to bury Undertaker's old ass. And not a couple hours later, we get told that, nope, it's a card subject to change. It changed. Now it's Undertaker versus Y2J Chris Jericho in a casket match, which frankly makes more sense to me because let's face it, if it's Undertaker versus Rusev, Rusev going to get buried even more than he already is being on WWE TV. He's going to literally get buried. With Chris Jericho, I could see Taker burying Jericho and ain't going to hurt his brand at all. Uh, I can't imagine it's going to be a very long match either. But uh, suffice it to say that there's also that match. Undertaker's going to be there as well. This is going to be absolute Jesus madness. Christ. Uh, this went from being a, a spectacle of a one match, 50, let's throw 50 men into a ring and see what happens, to this is a full-on pay-per-view card. But this, is, this is a massive, it's a massive card. It's one of the massive, most massive cards I can think of. This is almost WrestleMania level in terms of its card. Rey Mysterio is being rumored to come back as oh. well. Like, it's... It's going to be nuts. 50 oh, people. Sorry, I should say 50 men because here's the thing. We don't know what's going to happen with the women out that there. That was going to be my question. Like, I hear all these matches getting lined up, but Saudi Arabia is very much cover up all the women. They just don't only allowed them to drive like a year or so don't ago. Don't look at their ankles. you know. Yeah. And it's, but at the same time, now, are we going to have any women's matches? I have no idea. I mean, here's the thing. This is, and this has nothing to do with religion or politics or anything else. It's everything to do with just societal... The societal norms of this country are, in my opinion, still very backwards. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it's questionable whether or not you'd be able to have any women allowed to wrestle in this country when you're supposedly having a women's revolution. It really, it. Mm, I'm not losing any sleep over it, but it's definitely rubbing me the wrong way. Agreed. So, where was it they did last year where they had the women's match with Sasha and Alexa, but they had to wear like full body suits? Was it UAE? Uh, yes, Abu Dhabi, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but they but they were allowed to wrestle. They just right. had to wear like Mighty Morphing Power Rangers bodysuits so as to not show off anything that was going to drive the men in the crowd wild or some right. whatever the rationale. They didn't is. come out in the full burkas. They no, were, they didn't come on the full burkas. You know, but yeah. you know, they they they're scared enough of female skin over there. That they had to wear these full on, you know, bodysuits. But anyway, bottom line is is we'll see what happens. I it looks right right now like it's going to be all the boys over there in Saudi Arabia, making the company some money. Eh, eh, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it is what it is. I have no control over it. I'm not going to stress over it. But I'm with you. It does make me a little bit uncomfortable, more so on WWE's part about why would you decide to, to allow something like that to, to continue to go it's on. It's real easy because money is money. Money is and money. And that's a lot of money. There's a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Over there. A lot of money. Uh, speaking of being money, we got to talk about, talk about NXT because that brand has been nothing but money for as long as I can remember. And they just had a 14 karat gold pay-per-view this last weekend with takeover this week on, on NXT TV. It was basically a lot of recaps with a couple of the, the matches that were on, uh, before the main show or in the middle of the main show, they, 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 they have the, they just all the time. They have the selections of yeah. matches. They, they put on the actual program and the ones that they hold for next week's TV so they can have a breather after their pay-per-views. So we got a match between Kyrie Sane and Lacey Evans. Uh, Kyrie, obviously very over Lacey nailing her new heel character right now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh in here real quick. 
Lacey Evans might be my new favorite woman superstar. Really? She's she is coming around in a way that I haven't in and and rapidly in such a way that I haven't seen someone develop character work as well as she seems to be doing this fast, right? I think she I was very high on Nikki Cross for a while. They've they've steamed her down. They've I don't they know where the down. hell she's been. I, but at the same because mostly because of her character work and her working with Ember Moon before she got injured, right? So and and but Lacey Evans coming up in the last, you know, she was in the May Young Classic. Um, she hasn't been on NXT that much, but just over the last month through her work on social media, backstage stuff, and the few matches she's had, I'm really high on Lacey Evans right now. She's got the look. She's got the size. She's got the demeanor and the personality and the character, and she can hold her own in the ring with someone like Kyrie Sane, who's kind of got a pedigree going on. I'm I'm all in on Lacey Evans right now. I think she might if she can get out of the green a little bit. I think she might be the next big thing in NXT. Yeah, I, I still think she's a, she's not as smooth as I would like her to be, but she has some great moves. She has a good move set, and as you said, she's nailing her character. So definitely, I'm very high on her as well. Yep. Uh, Kyrie picks up the win here, unsurprisingly. You know, it's another Kyrie's it's, Kyrie. It's a it's a it was a very kind of one two three typical scripted match. Like yep. it, nothing surprised me, and their other match didn't really surprise me either. It was also very you know basic by the books match, and that was a match between Sabatelli and Moss against Heavy Machinery again, which we've seen a lot of times. Well, it made sense once what happened happened in hindsight, right? Because uh, this I, match didn't end. <laughs> when we were watching it, I was like, "Wait, again? We're getting this again?" Yep. yep. Uh, okay, because I think we even saw this match in November at the house in show Riverside. in Riverside when we yeah, went. they've obviously been working together for a long time, and this was another, like I said, by the numbers match. Until we started getting close to the finish, and who should come out? War Machine. I mean, War Raiders. Yeah, they. Uh, I, it was really. It, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, maybe it's a legal thing, but War Machine finally made their debut on NXT TV. If you're not aware of these guys, they've had an incredible run all over the world. Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, they're just big hoss dudes that look like Vikings, bikers, uh, face paint, all of that kind of stuff. The great look. I'm not. They didn't. They're not giving them their leather trunks. They're these weird blue and white uh, two tone trunks that they're wearing now. But we'll see. Maybe it'll evolve. I hope. But yes. They changed their name from War Machine to War Raiders. Which I, don't, I don't know if I can call them War Raiders. I, I know them as War Machine. It's going to be. It's going to take psychology for me to just flip that in my head. Well, for two reasons. One, War Machine flows off the tongue better than yes. War Raiders, which which just eh, there's too Wall many Waiters. R's. Wall Waiters. Wall Waiters. It's yeah. It's Elmer Fudd just uh, just waiting to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things you could have called them besides War Raiders. You know. I don't know war party, just war. You just war party. War. I would have liked war party. Yeah, that's or, an I mean, old orc terminology. I don't know. Why, you know. Yeah, but but party might sound like it's it's too playful. But yeah. yet, maybe it's because they don't want it to be too close to heavy machinery. Maybe it's because of a legal thing. Maybe they don't want to be wrapped up in in MMA war machine, who obviously is a oh, piece yeah. of dirt, and they don't want to be associated with him. Uh, who knows? Uh, I don't think war raiders is the best option of all the options they had like it's like riot squad where they had to add an extra t or you know the iconic duo i don't know why they changed that name to iconics but i'm not mad at the iconics that's fine i'm not mad at ruby riot that's fine war raiders war raiders is i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get behind that as much well the rest of nxt was mostly recap video packages of everything that happened the previous this past saturday on uh takeover new orleans so there's really not much else to talk about that we haven't already talked about on our WrestleMania recap show earlier this week. So yeah, if you want to hear luckily, what we thought about TakeOver this weekend, 
head back to episode number 63, which we released earlier this week, uh, for our full mega recap of both WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver. Yes, sir. But luckily, we have other things to talk about this week because 205 Live is still having some of the best wrestling coming out of WWE. And this week was no difference. We, we started off with Kalisto versus Akira Tozawa. And I'm liking how this continues to broil between Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa on one side and Kalisto, Grand Metalik, and Lindsay Dorado, the, the, the Lucha House Party on the other side. They've, they've ramped this up into a real feud between these guys. You felt like they started off having like friendly competition, and now they just hate each other. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Well, this is all apparently going to culminate next week in a Tornado Tag Team match between these two teams. Um, uh, from what we saw on this week's episode of 205 Live between uh, Tazawa and Kalisto, if that's any indication of what we're going to get when all of these guys are turned loose in the ring together, it's going to be like team deathmatch. Yeah, there's going to be bodies flying everywhere. It's going to be a great match, and especially after Tozawa loses this week to Kalisto via the Salida del Sol, I can only imagine that next week they're going to be on the hunt to really get some revenge. That's gonna, I'm, I'm hoping this builds up. At, at, sometime soon, they're going to have to get some other people on TV because they really only do like two matches a week now. Yeah. They've let the matches go longer, which these matches need to do, which is brilliant. Um, so th- this will probably come to a head either next week or the week after, and then we'll get into some other stuff, which they, they did tease later in the show in terms of other people that are, are waiting to have matches. You know, uh, Brian Kendrick has been cleared and he's now back teaming up with Jack Gallagher and they both were like, Oh yeah, we're not really mad at, at uh, Hideo Itami for breaking Kendrick's face. Teehee. Teehee. We, we promise we won't go beat him up. We don't have a vendetta <laughs> against him. Um, I'm surprised they didn't immediately cut to a backstage segment of them beating the hell out of Hideo Itami. <laughs> so that, that would have been, been funny. funny. That would yeah. have been, been great. Uh, they also, we also had a segment this week where Cedric Alexander got coronated, and they were yes. like, oh, yeah, Cedric, Cedric's your new champ. Mustafa Ali came out to congratulate him. They had a bro hug. And uh, all of a sudden, of course, number one contender, Buddy Murphy's music hits, and he comes out and sneak attacks Cedric. So that feud is now off and running. We've got, uh, we don't know when the match will be. Probably backlash. Probably. They're probably going to build it for a month. I would imagine. And I would imagine that Mustafa Ali, uh, you know, positioning himself as being in line to challenge Cedric, but also still Cedric's bro. Yeah. He's going to be the first victim of Buddy Murphy. And if you are not, if you're not excited about Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali, you have not been watching 205 Live because that's going to be. <sighs> Awesome. That's going to be good. Yes. It might, hopefully, it'll be as good as Mark Andrews versus Drew Gulak. Now, I was a little bit down on this match when it started and thought that Drew Gulak was just going to squash him. But Andrews, I got to give him credit. He put on one hell of a clinic, of especially the high flyer stuff. Gulak's really, not really known for this stuff, but, I mean, he took it. And seeing Andrews perform in that way and almost this kind of clashing of styles between these two guys it just makes it more fun to watch. You never know what to expect with with these two guys. Well, and Drew Gulak has the history of complaining about quote high flyers, right. and you know has has almost made his career flippy, off of flippy shit, off of grounding them. Yeah. And I, I can't stand Mark Andrews's character. I have all the respect for him as an athlete. And as you don't a performer. stand up and wave your arm back and forth when he comes out. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I I skipped my pop punk phase. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I went straight to the death metal. Yes. No, th- this was actually a fantastic match. It was not. I would say the the clinic that we've seen these guys put on before but it was i mean they got to pull off a lot of big moves some great great technical back and forth uh they're both fantastic wrestlers and drew gulak a man of his word he murdered it on the mic before this match by the way the guy is just money on the mic saying it doesn't matter who you are 
I'm the greatest te- in-ring technician in WWE. I'm going to make submission specialists. Yeah, I'm going to make you tap out, and he did. He uh, he put him that dragon sleeper, and good night, Mark Andrews. But the best looking dragon sleeper outside of maybe Sonata in New Japan. I yeah, mean, he's it's it, just it's sick. almost guaranteed tap out. I mean, right there, second only maybe to Oscar's the Oscar lock, the backpack lock that she has just carried for so long now. I don't know. So Apparently, Charlotte's figure eight is pretty. Uh, <laughs> Pretty destructive, Nick. Well said. Touche. Touche. Well, hey, some other stuff went down this week we need to talk about. Over on Ring of Honor, they had their Super Card of Honor event. Yeah, you know, there was a ton of stuff that happened WrestleMania weekend. And when I say a ton of stuff, I mean a literal ton of stuff like it we're gonna go one year we just have to but here's the thing there was no way that any human being could have actually gone to every single show that happened there were so many indie shows i mean i i did the rundown a couple of weeks ago of i maybe covered half of all the all the shows and i was just like like sounded like an auction barker but and it took me five minutes to get through half of them wow it was i mean on the show it was i remember it was insane um, and one of the biggest ones that happened was the Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor, which ultimately uh, a lot of people, I think, agree. It turned out to be a bit of a underwhelming show. The first half was really strong. The second half, the timing just felt a little off and it didn't it didn't really going to grab you by the throat. But uh, overall, the, you know, a solid show, lots of great talent. Um, and you, one of the things you had was the finals, the semifinals and the finals of the Women of Honor tournament with a very, very surprising outcome. You had Tennille Dashwood and Mayu Iwatani, my two favorites to go all the way. They were out in the semifinals. They got beaten by Sumie Sakai and Kelly Klein. And in the finals, Sumie Sakai wins the whole thing, which I thought was a shock because I thought Mayu was the up-and-comer who was going to kind of get hers over Sumie. Maybe that's the plan down the road. Sumie is 47 years old. She has been around for a long time, and she is a legit badass. She has a history in, in actual MMA. But I'm, I'm shocked. I think it's cool that maybe they're just giving her that honor of, have, of being the first Women of Honor title holder. Yeah. And then, you know, she's going to put someone over as a way out, basically. Yeah, I could see that You happening. know what I mean? Going out on her back. And, a big and win. realistically, it might be Mayu or, or Emma or Tennille. Yeah, yeah, or Kelly Klein wins her rematch. Maybe. I'm not Maybe. sure. but Or someone else. But I, I, either way, it was a surprise, but I'm not mad at it. Uh, I think she's a good one to hold the first one, and then everyone can fight upwards towards her. Uh, in another match, which I thought was I, argue, one of the matches of the show, Punishment Martinez uh, beat Tomohiro Ishii, uh, which was just, yeah, it was, as you would imagine, a slobber knocker. Yeah. Just two, I mean, Ishii's not a big dude. He's a short, short dude, but he's a little pit bull. Beefcake. Yeah, and Punishment's a big dude, and they just basically beat the crap out of each other. Uh, you also had Kota Ibushi versus Hangman Page. He beat Hangman Page into this ongoing Golden Lovers versus yeah. Young Bucks Civil War thing. Uh, that was a great match. That was another, my other possible match of the night Any interference with that match to do with the young bucks or or can he get no, that was that was a pretty clean match but the uh but later on the show things got started getting less clean the uh socal uncensored defeated the young bucks with flip gordon to retain the six-man tag team uh championships uh the briscoes surprisingly to me i guess not surprisingly really because tanahashi and jay lethal teamed up that team obviously is not going to be defending right. week in week out so it made sense that you know they ended up pinning jay lethal uh the briscoes did and and uh, Tanahashi gets to go out still looking like Tan. I, I mean, he got a hero's welcome there, as you would imagine. Um, another news: Silas Young defeated Kenny King for the TV title. I don't know what they're. I don't, 
I don't know what they're doing. I can't with the TV keep title. up with what they're trying to do with the TV title. Ever anymore. since they took it off of Kushida, there's flipping right. all over the place. And I'm not, I don't know. But uh, so this is where the interference happened. You had Kenny Omega versus Cody. And that was, that's like the big match on the card, right? That and the, t- and the title match between Dalton Castle and Marty Skrull. Right. Those are the big matches. So obviously in the storyline one, the big storyline heavy one, Kenny versus Cody, the, the, the little Bullet Club Civil War. Of course, the Young Bucks get in there. They were going to go super kick Cody. They missed. They hit Kenny. Cody gets the, the, the pin. And then Kenny, you know, shoves the Young Bucks as he heads towards the back. So the storyline continues. The, the, the Civil War continues. The uh, Being the Elite hit uh, number 100. And I suppose that's the finale because you're not really going to have any more Elite because now the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have split up. And the Elite is, quote unquote, no more. Obviously, they may make up down the road and we'll get... 101 in a big, big old <laughs> you know, return to being the elite happy right. moment. But uh, for now, there was over. also some stuff going on on social media last week or this weekend where Ken, uh, Cody was, I should say, was threatening to change the Bullet Club logo. So I, I wondered how much that would feed into this card as well. If any of that would come up. If we're just getting worked, if he's just Healy messing he's, with he's, us. Of course he's Healy messing with us. That, he's, the Young Bucks replying to him on Twitter going, uh, D, please DM us. Yes. <laughs> I yes. was like, wait, you guys don't have each other's phone numbers? This is all, that's all just brilliant workage yeah. right there. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I, I love that, you know, of all the things that Cody couldn't get everyone on his side for, that's the one that no one, like everyone's, there's some things where the other members of Bullet Club are like, okay, I, all right, Cody, I guess. This is one they're all like, oh, no, Cody, no. Dude, Cody, dude, Cody, DM us, please. Shh, no. You know, that was fun. Um, we yeah. sell more merch than anybody. Stop it. Than anybody. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to die, just take a shot every time you see a, a Young Bucks shirt at any wrestling event. Yeah. Or, or any Bullet Club shirt. There's you, more. Die. There's more uh, Bullet Club merch at WWE events than, than WWE, WWE merch. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I don't know what the numbers are. I would love to know. There's no way you're ever going to get the, the correct no, numbers no. of if they're outselling Roman Reigns or AJ Styles or, or anything Rusev. like that. Or well, <laughs> <laughs> that's tough right now. Who knows? But moving on to our main event, we had Dalton Castle against Marty Skrull for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship, and Dalton Castle retains again. Again, yes, he's on a roll. Uh, he's ever since he he won it in the first place off of Cody, he's been on a roll and uh, looks to be continuing to do so. Uh, the other major indie shows, I, like I said, they would just be too much to go over, but I do have some highlights, some really fun highlights. First of all, a shout out to Will Ospreay. That man almost died in a five-star match uh, against Marty Skrull over in New Japan, right? Like less than a week before all of these shows, and he still got his ass out to New Orleans and wrestled in at least five matches where he went out and just killed himself. Throwing himself, you know, doing the Will Osprey style, throwing himself all over the place, taking huge bumps. He was taped to high heaven. Mad props to that guy for standing up and not, not you know, going and going and saying I'm too sick to work, I'm too hurt to work. He you know he's out there making that money and being in front of the fans and servicing the fans. And mad props to him for that. Definitely, we loved seeing him at PWG here recently as well, less than a month ago. And now he's doing all of this for WrestleMania. And then I saw him weekend. a strong style evolve. Yeah. And I mean, the guy is Dude's everywhere. A, he's a beast. Well, hey, the big news coming out of uh, the Impact versus Lucha event, live event that went on, was Penta L Zero M uh, beat uh, Phoenix and Austin Aries in a triple threat match. Yeah, in the main event, Lucha Underground put like, because, you know, right now, Impact and Lucha Underground have a lot of crossover stars. Brian Cage is on both. And yep. you've got uh, a lot of these guys are crossing over between the two brands, uh, Sammy Callahan and that sort of thing. Uh, Johnny and they had Mundo is Johnny, Johnny Callahan or something. Uh, no, he's John, John, Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact. Yes. Sorry, I'm thinking. Oh, the same. Be, Never mind. 
but uh, the, the this this whole event was really fun. Uh, I was kind of disappointed that the Sammy Callahan Eddie Edwards thing was kind of a you know, it was kind of a bust. But yeah, the main event was Penta L Zero M, or otherwise known as Pentagon Dark, yep. and uh, Phoenix against Austin Aries, all triple threat. And uh, that was a great match. A lot of I, so the weird thing is that Louisiana has these weird wrestling rules. You can't do pile drivers, and you can't do xyz anything over the top row and they're doing yeah. they did all of these things at these shows to either just go right in the face of that or joke about it you know and this one obviously package pile driver is one of penta's big things and he, right. he that's how we finished the damn match yeah he's because like, he's the manager <laughs> in other impact news that we got to talk about this one of the reasons they had that triple threat is because alberto el patron uh got i guess offended at some things that Austin Aries said, uh, Austin Aries made some sort of joke about Trump's wall. He's a heel, but somehow Alberto still got pissed about it, ended up being drunk on Bourbon Street while this match was going on, no-showed the event. And, of course, that means now he's fired from Impact. Uh, good this, riddance. Good riddance. This Bye. guy, he's, he's uh, at this point, he is just on a downward spiral and he's not the first time that he's no showed events. He's been paid for. Listen, bottom line, I'm glad page was able to get out from under him. However, they ended up splitting up. I think it was in December back mm -hmm. then. Um, she's got a, a new guy now. I'm glad he's out of the WWE. I'm glad he's just getting out of the wrestling because he is the sheer definition of just a toxic person. Well, and as long as people keep trying to give him money, he won't go away. And right. that's the problem. You know, he's still going to be around because he's still a draw to some extent, but, and he's got to pay for his cocaine that's somehow. So, fast. you know, he'll, he'll still go work some places. Uh, speaking of people who didn't show up at places, low key dropped out at the last minute from Matt Riddle's blood sport event, which was this crazy, like crossover MMA meets Kumite, no ropes ring, like different rules. It was, it was a pretty nuts event. I watched some of it. Uh, a lot of fun. Luckily, low key got his replacement was Minoru Suzuki <gasps> and Suzuki and, and Riddle check out that match. Cause they had, I not nowhere near the match of the weekend, but it's a lot of fun to watch two guys who know how to fight MMA pretty much shoot on each other for 90% of a match. Uh, it was a ton of fun. And well, speaking of shoots, we weren't done at the end of the match. James Ellsworth shows up and cuts a promo on Matt Riddle. Well, the best they had a match. Yeah. Did you see that? Do you see when I Matt didn't Riddle, see the match? You no. see Matt Riddle. He, Matt Riddle at one point went for a, a driving knee. He was running across the ring, went for a knee, trying to hit uh, Ellsworth in the chin with oh, it. Oh, I did see this. Yes. <laughs> and Ellsworth just he's whiffs him, and Ellsworth just stands up and goes, points at his chin, like you can't knee a guy in the chin that who has have a no chin. chin. <laughs> Oh, that was a great spot. That was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, Ellsworth was there. Uh, we also had Shimmer 100 happen in the championship match. Nicole Savoy defeated Mercedes Martinez for the championship. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd. At, we also had uh, Joey Janela's spring break, which yeah. is always one of the most. That and Kaiju Big Battle, where the, all these like people dressed up in, in like <laughs> basically like mascot outfits yeah. and, or like Kaiju, and they, they fight in a ring, which They're is like just furries. madness. It makes Jim Cornette's head explode, yeah. I have no doubt. Uh, but at Joey Janela's spring break, the other Jim Cornette killing event, uh, you had Jimmy Lloyd. Let me say this slowly. Jimmy Lloyd fought the invisible man. He basically fought uh, it's, air. It's like performance art. When you, if you can watch this, if you can find this, it's brilliant. He ended up giving the invisible man a pile driver, uh, which of course meant the Louisiana uh, wrestling commission jumped into the ring to try and stop the match. But what they didn't realize is the Invisible Man had recovered, and so he quickly rolled up uh, Jimmy Lloyd for the one, two, three. 
this is brilliant. I don't have find to go this. see this. It's absolute insanity. <laughs> if you want to talk about breaking the business, this is absolutely everything that is wonderful about the modern, the postmodern wrestling, the, like indie wrestling that quote unquote exposes the business, but is just so much damn fun that who freaking cares? Yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, last couple of things I'm going to touch on. Jerry Lawler showed up at one point, uh, also during spring break. Joey Ryan was there dressed up in a cosplay as Andy Kaufman. Okay. Uh, so, of course, he got he called up Jerry Lawler because of their old feud, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler's right. feud. Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler shot him in the dick with a fireball. Oh, what? I, I, let me say that again. Joey Ryan, dressed up as Andy Kaufman, was shot in the dick with a fireball by Jerry Lawler. Is he Mario all of a sudden? He I, can shoot fireballs out of his It was his from hand? under his crown. It was like he had like a little thing on his finger and he's from under his crown. It was. Did it light his crotch on fire? Like, it blew up. It was like, like a little, fi- like a little like firework. Yeah, like a little firework or something. But it was. Oh, God. I mean, this is the thing. This all this is all stuff that happened on WrestleMania weekend. Like, can you imagine? I'm sad we weren't there. I was to on see my all couch. This insanity all going home. Uh, but uh, one last thing, we also had a match between PCO, uh, who you might know as Pierre Carulet. He was once a, a WWE tag champ uh, as one of the Canadians or the... Um, Any relation to Maurice, the Ouellet family? Poss- quite possibly. I'll yeah. have to check up on that. But he had a match with Walter, who's like one of the best big men in the world right now. He's rumored to be going to WWE, although he's denied it. Uh, they had a match. First, let me point out, PCO is 50 years old. And this dude basically works like a Lucha style. And he's a big boy. He's incredible, and people who didn't know about him learned in this match. It's being called one of the best matches of the weekend. Damn. Uh, I've seen some of it, and it's incredible. Uh, Walter, who, who's known for his chops, he's basically known for chopping you until your stomach or your, until your chest bleeds. He's done it to a lot of people. You need to see PCO's chest after this match. It is, it is not a color any human skin should be. Damn. He got chopped to hell, but he still won. And it was, and then Walter just stands up and gives him the, the tersest man handshake and walks away, and the crowd went crazy. Fantastic match. One of the few, if you should seek out, of the hundreds that happened this last weekend. Well, we can't get out of here without doing a quick little lightning round of some other big news that happened this week. First and foremost, there's a new UK tournament, and a no, the next May Young Classic have been announced. Yeah, at the Hall of Fame ceremony, they announced they were going to do another UK tournament, which I mean, it's, about, it's about time. Yeah. I mean, how long has Pete Dunn held this belt now? We've got to we got to shake things up in that division. That division. No, there's got to be more division. than like four of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. It's got to be more than Mustache Mountain and Pete Dunn. Like yeah. you got to have more guys, and we got to get more stars out of that. When's the last time you saw Wolfgang? For crying out loud. True. Uh, May Young Classic Part Two, the second May Young Classic. Great. Get some more of these indie chicks back in here. Get some of the ones you already have. Tony Storm. I, <laughs> I get have her in the WWE. I have a feeling Tony Storm will be back. Calm yes. down, Beavis. Uh, also, in in other big news, you might know the All In event. We've been talking about that for a while. It's now called All In. It's going to happen near Chicago in uh, September. It's being put on by Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody, excuse me, and the Young Bucks. Um, they're trying to get, they're trying to fill a, a ten thousand person, or they're trying to get ten thousand people. It's going to be the biggest indie event to ever happen. They're basically trying to set a record. They're trying to show that indie events can draw the way WWE can. And right now, pretty much all the major members of the Bullet Club, minus Tamatonga and Tongaloa, pretty much all the rest of the Bullet Club are are involved. Hangman, Young Bucks, I believe Kota Ibushi is going to be there. Marty Skrull. Uh, they've got Pentel Zerum and Phoenix are involved. 
And I have no doubt we're going to get a ton more top indie talent before this is all said and done. Uh, they also announced they're getting Deanna Parazzo. And here's the big one. They are getting the IWGP heavyweight champion himself, Kazuchika Okada, at this event. We might have to go to this. I mean, the, it's orig- in September, right? Originally, they were talking about having, having the main event being Cody versus Daniel Bryan. But obviously, Daniel Bryan is... Right. WWE going to pay that man. Yes. They're going to pay that man because he's he can wrestle now with him. He's been clear with WWE. If he hadn't been clear with WWE, he would have been there at this. But like pretty much guaranteed. But now WWE going to sign that check for that man. Uh, but we're going to definitely keep an eye on All In because they are they're putting it all in. They're trying to get everyone they can at that one. Uh, in other news, over WrestleMania weekend, apparently at a meet and greet, Harry Smith Jr., otherwise known as one of the two members of the Killer Elite Squad in New Japan, Davy Boy Jr.'s son, British Bulldog's son, he threw hot coffee in Jake the Snake's face. Now, I wonder if that was an old throwback. There's something that, you know, he maybe he owed one to British Bulldog or something what like that. What he owed him was Jake the Snake badmouth Davy Boy Smith at, uh, uh, a, a little while back, and obviously Harry was not a big fan of that, even though... <laughs> You know, it's not like Davy Boy Smith and like Dynamite Kid were known for being great guys or anything. Uh, not like Jake the Snake was a saint either. But sure. at the end of the day, that's that's the most immature damn thing I can think of. I, like, might, really? have, I might have one better for you. Okay. Well, at Joey Janela's spring break, as he was entering, uh, Noel Foley's boyfriend, who oh Frank you, the Clown, Frank the Clown. Yeah. If you watch the Foley's show that on the network, little idiot. Joey Janela was walking in, and he just walks over and sucker punches Frank the Clown in the face. And I, I laughed. Joey Janela just got Joey over Janella with me. Joey Janela is everybody. I Joey Janela <laughs> just got over with me. Thank you, thank yes. you. Please punch the clown. Even Mick Foley wants that clown to get punched. Yes. Well, it's, it's his little girl. So I mean, come on. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, another news. Let's see. Zack Sabre Jr. has officially signed full-time with New Japan. He is officially all in with New Japan. And probably as a result, over this last weekend at RevPro, Tomohiro Ishii beat him for the title. Now Tomohiro Ishii is your RevPro heavyweight champion. Wow. Zack Zach, uh, Zach Snyder. Zack Sabre Jr. Not Zack Snyder, because that would be tragic. Zack Sabre Jr. on his way to New Japan full-time. Well, I watched the Andre the Giant documentary uh, the other night, Ian, on HBO, and it's it was fantastic. But one of the things they highlighted or focused us a lot of time on was the territories. And for those of us that are newer to wrestling, like myself, I openly admit that I, while I did watch with my granddad in the, the late 80s, I really didn't get into wrestling until like the mid to late 90s. So I was we were well beyond the territories at that point, but... One of the things that they highlighted very, very much in the in this Andre the Giant documentary was the territories. Well, one of the big ones on the East Coast, along with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, is the Ohio Valley Wrestling Promotion. Sure. It was just bought by the mannequin head-wielding man himself, Al Snow. Yeah, it was a developmental territory for WWE what? even for a while. I'm not sure how Al got his hands on it, but that's kind of cool. And I know he wants to basically keep it what's doing right now, which is they still run shows, they still run programs. So yeah, it's before... F- Full sale and before the performance center, that was being used as kind of the performance center. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so now Al Snow owns it. Uh, not sure exactly what the business deal was going on there, but very curious to keep an eye on that and see what happens going forward. You mentioned the uh, the Under the Giant documentary. I did want to touch on that really quickly. I know yeah. we're in the middle of the lightning round, but um, I, I did watch it too. And on the one hand, it's very good. It's yep. very very good. If you were if you don't know a lot about Andre, it's a great. I would say better as an introduction to Andre than if you know a lot about Andre. If you know a lot about Andre, it's really not going to tell you that much 
knew about him. There's not going to be a lot of stuff in there that you didn't already know. Um, There's some fun side stories from the other couple, but it's like a little anecdotes you may not have heard. Uh, The best thing about it is the interviews they get. You know, they get a lot of people to to talk about and they get Ric Flair. They get uh, Meltzer's on it. uh, Some other journalists. My favorite interviewer, the, the guy they interviewed that was my favorite was Tim White. And I actually was not aware of how close Tim White and Andre were. I wasn't either. And he had, in my opinion, the most human, the most heartwarming stories about Andre of the whole thing. Uh, they did also, of course, interview Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon, which is, in my opinion, that was the the worst part of the documentary. You have two of the biggest revisionist historians in the world trying to tell their own stories of Andre's life. And from what I understand, uh, read, from reading uh, uh, Wrestling Online, uh, Wrestling Observer, excuse me, was that um, what you see in the documentary of Hogan and Vince both talking about what happened at WrestleMania three and how that whole match went down. Basically the footage they show you is the only footage they they got of those two, those two, those two guys where they actually agreed where they didn't tell a different story. Their stories varied so much that they couldn't just have one of them tell the whole story. They had to get like the little things that they agreed on in history huh. and, and massage it so that they told one consistent story. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's long been Hogan's thing that he, oh, I didn't know the finish of that match. And Vince, you know, and this one's like, yeah, well, Hogan did know, but we were fucking with him. So we didn't, you know, we didn't, we were, we were ribbing him that we didn't know the finish. Yeah. So it was, was, I don't know. It was a little bit of Hogan putting himself over again. It was a little bit of Vince being disingenuous again. Um, and a lot of it really, I didn't feel like I was any closer to understanding Andre as a human being. Uh, it was more just about the myth of him. Like, hey, did you know there was a guy named Under the Giant? And by the way, there's a myth about him. That was kind of the documentary. By the way, he he could drink 106 beers and he had legendary farts. Right, yes. There was some of that stuff that made me laugh on the surface. But thinking about it more, I'm like, really? That's the stuff that that's you could come we're up talk with? About. Of all the stories we're going to talk about with him, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah I, I had my reservations about the documentary. As I said, great introduction to him, but by no means the be all end all far from it, but definitely worth a watch. Yep. Well, Hey, last, but certainly not least here, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler himself, who was also in that documentary of on Andre the giant of, and, and very entertainingly. So yeah, uh, had a stroke about three weeks ago. Yeah. He had a stroke, wasn't able to talk for two days. He was in the hospital and then had a full recovery. Well, I mean, kicked go, out, go kicked, King. Out of, <laughs> kicked out of a heart attack, kicked out of a stroke. You want to know why this is the most Jerry Lawler stroke possible? Why he had it while having sex. What? Yep. He was he was having sex and then he had a stroke and lost his ability to talk and couldn't move and was. But, but could he still have sex? I don't know. I'd kind of be okay with I that. I don't know the details of this. <laughs> the, 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 uh, you know the more uh, salivary details of this, but uh, yeah, the guy had a stroke, couldn't talk for two days, made a full recovery. Took the two count, you could say. He took the- <laughs> Okay, on, on that, that note, shell, uh, we will close things out here today. Guys, thank you very much for uh, tuning in with us again this week. Definitely go check out that episode number 63, our mega recap of Re- everything WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver New Orleans from this weekend. Uh, we have had a blast this week, and I, Ian, I've had a lot of fun between the competitions with the other shows, 
the all of the events going on this past weekend. I, it almost feels like, and we're frankly about we're less than one month from our anniversary right now. Yeah, we're coming up so, on one year, man. We'll have to we'll have to plan something special for yeah. that. But I mean, just an immediate stuff. We've got a plan for next week. We got the superstar shakeup coming out. So please, everyone, tune back in at the end of next week. Probably about Thursday, we'll have out a show for you discussing the superstar shakeup and everything that went down in WWE, plus whatever we can get our grubby little paws on. On, on everything going on in wrestling all over the world. Yep, and definitely come over and hang out with us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And hey, if you like what we're doing and want to support the show, we would love your support. Head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Throw a dollar in the tip jar, or you can even sign up to do your very own shoot promo right here on the show with us. If you'd like to pick up some merch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Grab a t-shirt, coffee mug, t-shirt, phone case, all that good swag. And please, you know, whatever your podcast app is, whether it's iOS, Android, CastBox, Android Podcast, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Stitcher, <laughs> Windows Media, Pocket Cast, or any of the other ones, you know what? Subscribe to us, like us, share us with your friends. If there's comments available, leave us a comment, leave us a nice review, give us five stars if that's the rating system on that app. Uh, let us know that you like what we're doing. Let us know what you think we could make better about our show. Yeah, We'd absolutely. love to improve it for you guys. And thank you so much for listening, as always. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Can somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.